0: Good morning. It is good to be at Bethel again. I always enjoy being here when I get to visit the kids and enjoy being in church here. It truly is a blessing and it is an honor to be able to speak this morning. Um, Talked to Pastor Robert a few weeks ago. We were here for my son Daniel's wedding. He and Kaylee. Got married and we were talking about the fact that you were moving into a series on King David. Man, what a guy to study. What a, what a man to, to look at and to study. We see the greatness of the king. We see that he was human and that he did things that he should not have done. Um, but he was given a promise um, that is truly an amazing promise The Messiah will come through you, and the king who sits on your throne during the millennial reign will be your son. Uh, That's quite a a promise from God. Um, And we will look at um, the idea of obedience this morning. And it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 24 and 1 Samuel chapter 26. Now, if you'll get your scriptures open to 1 Samuel chapter 24, that's the chapter that we will read to get an understanding of the things that we'll bring bring forward here. Um, The message today, though, actually begins in chapter 15. Um, There is a contrast between King Saul, who is the king, as David is a young man, Uh, He is the king when Samuel the prophet comes and anoints David to be the king later. Well, that's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? We have a reigning king, and God says to the prophet, I want you to go anoint another man from another family that has nothing to do with King Saul's family. begins to create some tension. David is a very gifted man. David is an interesting man to me. He is a warrior, general like none other in history. His reputation, his kingdom, his power, and his authority from a man's perspective come from the fact that he killed a lot of people. And yet this same man will sit down and write the book of Psalms that is so tender, so dependent upon God... He truly is a man to study and to to learn from. Now, the problem is presented in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God told Samuel to go do a task as a king. God said, Samuel, I want you to go do this task, or excuse me, I want you to do this task. It's a very hard task. Sometimes God in life asks us to do and go through hard things. That is the way life is. Saul did not complete the task as God asked him to do. He was disobedient. Now, he, he, uh, in his disobedience, he's a little bit dishonest, and he makes excuses. Excuses that Samuel made we're probably real. And this is a struggle we have as human beings. The circumstances of life are real. But when it comes to obedience to God, we must be obedient to God. We can't make excuses. Saul made excuses, and he gets a strong rebuke from Samuel the prophet. Samuel comes to him and says, look, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Saul makes excuses. And Saul hears these words. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, the Old Testament had a lot of sacrifices it had a lot of things to come to God in repentance. But it doesn't stop there. Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice, and disobedience and rebellion are as witchcraft. Wow. Stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Then he hears the words that no king would ever want to hear. Samuel says, this disobedience has qualified you from being king. God said to Saul, I have to have a king who is going to be obedient. Now, this sets in motion the anointing of David as king. When you move into chapter 16, God said to Samuel, go anoint another king. And Samuel says, "Uh, this is probably not a good thing. Saul hears about this, he's probably going to try to kill me. Why would a king accept the fact that some other bloodline is going to be the king? God says, do it. I'll take care of it. So in 16, we see that David is anointed king. Now, chapter 17 is probably the story that we know and are most familiar with on David. This is where the young man David goes and kills Goliath. At this point in time, Saul doesn't know who he is. He only knows that this guy did a mighty act, and so he brings him into his army. What's interesting, uh, and this is is where the chronology of your series is going to get out a little whack, because of Ian last week, Pastor Robert didn't get to talk about Goliath and David's killing of Goliath. So that'll happen next week. But these things that I'm going to talk about today happen after that, when David has established himself in Saul's army as a mighty warrior. And the people in David's eyes, are, um, his popularity is growing, his respect is growing, his reputation is growing. And we find in chapter 19 that David became a mighty general and grows in the admiration of the people. (coughs) But Saul now begins to perceive David as an enemy. He begins to see David as an enemy. We even see in chapter 18 where Saul's own son Jonathan makes a commitment to respect David and honor him when he becomes king. Now, if you're the king and your son gives his loyalty to someone else, that's an agitation at the least. Probably, he's probably right up there with a traitor. Uh huh. So it sets in motion in Saul a process. Now, why is Saul in the predicament that he's in? Is it David's fault? Is it God's fault? No. It's Saul's disobedience. In this story, there is this contrast between Saul's disobedience and David's obedience to God. And It is set out very specifically, and I would encourage you this week to read those chapters with the things that I'm talking about today. Have those things in your mind. You know, it's 15 through 26, basically, is the chapters that we're covering. So we're getting a lot of information in our story here. Now, in chapter 20, Jonathan acknowledges to David that he will be king, and he asked David to spare his children. And In the ancient times, when you took over, what you did was you killed all the king's family so that there would be no rebellion in your kingdom. I'm glad our system doesn't work that way. But that's the way the system was then. And Jonathan said, David, I know you're going to be king. I know God anointed you. I see what he is doing in your life. Please spare my children. David said, Sure, we're friends. Not a problem. And in chapter 20, Jonathan actually makes an allegiance to David. Now, Saul, his daddy, thinks he's foolish. But there's an interesting verse at the end of chapter 20, and it says that Jonathan went to the city, and then you see in chapter 21 where David went to the wilderness. Now, even in literary terms, if you go to the city, it's easy. If you go to the wilderness, it's hard. And here's where David learns a mighty lesson about obedience, in my mind, faith and obedience are the same thing. If we look at Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see time after time after time where God asked the person there who we attribute faith to to do something and they did it. It was about obedience. In the wilderness, David learns what it means to have hardship and loneliness. But he also learns the deliverance of God and that he can trust God every moment of his life. As long as things are easy, it's easy. When things get hard, it's hard to trust God. And this leads us to our two stories today in chapter 24 and chapter 26. They present this intersection between David and Saul. In chapter 23, we'll see that David delivers the city from the Philistines God told him to. It's interesting that David goes to God and says, This is happening. I have 400 men with me. Should I go deliver this city? Now, there's a couple of reasons in my mind why David would do that. Number one, he doesn't want to be outside the will of God. Number two, he's not the king yet. He's not the king yet. He doesn't have the authority to take Israel to battle. But he asks God. Why does he have a right to ask God? Because he was anointed. But he doesn't want to cause that conflict between him and Saul. He doesn't want to start a rebellion. God says, go do it. Well, the people of the city... It never appears as if they say thank you, but then they turn around and do this. In chapter 24, they tell Saul where David is. Saul is in pursuit since Jonathan made the allegiance to David. Saul has been pursuing him pretty hard to kill him. Now, I'm going to read chapter 24. It's a little bit long, but I want to set the stage so that we kind of understand what's going on. Now, what I want us to do as we go through here in chapter 24, I'm not going to read chapter 26 because 24 and 26 are so much alike. But I want you to notice how circumstances control Saul's life, but circumstances do not control David's life. And we'll say that again. Circumstances controlled Saul's life. Circumstances did not control David's life. So let's read chapter 24, and then we'll kind of discuss the the stories. Now it says, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men, his best warriors, from all of Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So you see what happens here. David and his men know Saul's coming. They hide in the caves. Well, it's kind of thing, but the Scripture does what it does. It tells us the truth. Saul went in to kind of relieve himself and take care of some needs. He went in the cave to look for some privacy. But guess who's hiding in there? David's men. Whoa. So here we go. Saul went in to attend to his knees. David and his men were... Uh, staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, and you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut this, because he had cut Saul's robe. he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David rested and, excuse me, restrained his servants from these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Now, it's interesting here because David men say, oh, David, There's the king. He's by himself. Let's kill him. David sneaks over and cuts a little bit of his robe off. And immediately, boom, just like that, God convicted David and said, that's the king. What are you doing? You're anointed, but this is not your time. So when God strikes his heart, David tells his men, we will not do this. Now his men said, this is what the Lord has told you. He has been delivered into your hand. If you look through Joshua and Judges, every time that one of the judges or Joshua or one of Joshua's generals, um, one of, when they defeated somebody, the statement is, God has delivered them into your hand or God delivered them into his hand. These men quote scripture to David. David could look at the circumstances and say, this is my time. But what's more important here? The circumstances, misquoting of Scripture, or obedience? God God said, you don't rise up against my appointed person. David honored that. He let Saul go free. Now, when when you get down here, It talks about the fact that David also rose afterward and went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth. David bowed to the king as he was supposed to. When you bow to the king, that means you surrender to his authority, right? You honor his position. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Folks, there were a lot of people. Satan was using a lot of people to thwart God's will. They they were gossiping to Saul and Saul was listening. David's men misquoted scripture to him. Saul's people gossiped to him. Did David listen to the wrong words, the wrong advice, the bad advice? No. Did Saul? Yes. It takes a discerning heart to know the difference in good advice and bad advice, doesn't it? You know what gives that clarity? Obedience to God's Word. Because no matter what you tell me, no matter what my parents tell me, no matter what the king tells me, I must obey God's Word. That's where the clarity comes. That's where the good decisions come. Saul listened. David did not, because he knew God's principles and precepts. David says, "Why do you listen? I'm not going to stretch out my hand against the anointed. Moreover, my father, again, a term of Saul is the king in authority. Moreover, Father, say, <clears throat> see, yes, the corner of your robe is in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, know and see that I intend you no harm. Saul, I was close enough to cut your robe, but I didn't kill you. So you you go on down and, and, and David says, someone tried to kill you in there and I didn't let them. In other words, I'm not only saying I won't kill you, I'm telling you I will protect you. If you jump on down, it says so it was when David had finished speaking to Saul, that Saul said, "And this your voice, my is this your voice, my son David?" Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He lifted up his voice and what he knew what had transpired. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for I have rewarded for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. Do you you <clears throat> excuse me, when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he not get away safely, or will he he will not let it? <clears throat> excuse me, get away safely. Therefore, may the Lord reward you. He goes on down and he asks the same thing his son did. Please protect my family. Please allow my dad to have honor in his family. So here we have this story in chapter 24, and it goes through and it lays these things out. Number one, you see the motive of David's heart. His heart is to do what God asked him to do, and that is to honor the king. Now, here's the dilemma that David has. He's anointed to be the next king. Now, I have to be honest with you. If I was David, I probably would have killed Saul that day. I've got God's promise. I'm going to be king. And after all, I just got advice that quoted scripture to me that said, he's been delivered in your hand. But the principle is you don't raise your hand against God's anointed. Saul's heart convicted him when he cut his robe. Circumstances do not determine the will of God. Circumstances are not how we should make decisions. Now, there's 3,000 of the best warriors outside of the cave. Saul's in there by himself. That sounds like a pretty good thing where in our mind we can say, well, God has delivered him. you get a better understanding in chapter 26 when you go through the story. It's basically the same thing. It's a little different in how David approaches Saul. Saul is asleep, and David and his nephew sneak in, and Saul's laying there, and they're both looking at him. Everybody else in the army is asleep, and David and Saul and his nephew, David... And his nephew are looking at King Saul. His nephew says, David, I'm not going to ask you to kill him. Why don't you give me permission to kill him? You see the change? Before they said, David, this is your opportunity. Now they say, David, we'll do it for you. The sin doesn't have to be on your head. It can be upon my head, so to speak. See his spear right there? I'll just take it, and I'll just go one jab in. I'll stick him to the ground, and he'll be dead. I won't have to strike him a second time, as if that's better. And then David says, no, no. And he and he, he becomes more teaching in his tone. If you look in 26 verse 9, it becomes, he's almost teaching his nephew. He says, we can't raise our hand against God's anointed. And he looks at his nephew and says, when it's time, he will die. Do you see how David is not only obedient to God, he has full confidence in God. I don't have to break God's principles. I don't have to break God's word. I can be completely obedient to God. God will take care of this. When I was a young lad, I had this promise from God, and I am confident that God will do what he says he's going to do. We can't break God's commandments. We can't go against God's principles. Just because the circumstances present itself this way, we will not do this. And he tells his nephew, he says, go ahead and take his his water jug and his spear, though. So they leave where they're camped. They go out into the, across the way. And it kind of appears as if it's up on the side of another uh, ridge of another hill. And David calls out. <coughs> but he calls out to the man who was supposed to be protecting King Saul Abner? Abner! Abner, you've done wrong. You're derelict in your duties. And Abner crawls back. Who is it that calls out to the king? And he rebukes Abner because Abner was not standing guard over his king. It's just interesting how David asserts his authority, and yet at the same time is a humble man and will not kill the king. Abner is the guard of the king, and two enemies, from Saul's perception, walked in and stood over Saul and had a conversation about should they kill him or not, and Abner is over here asleep. Abner is the commander of the guard who is supposed to protect the king, and David rebukes him. David is just this wonderful, complex person, isn't he? One came to kill your king, and you were derelict in your duties. And he says, I protected the king, not you. Man. David is so confident in God that he can rebuke the man who did what he did that night. He protected the king. See, the the struggle that we have is so often, so often we look at the circumstances of life to determine our decisions in life. And it has to be the Word of God that determines our decisions. I'm telling you, I would have killed Saul. It just makes sense, doesn't it? If they would have killed Saul would David be king the next day? Sure, he would have. Absolutely he would have. But that's not the way God wanted it done. God wanted to honor King David. And if he waits till God takes care of the situation, God could confirm his blessing on David. Why? Because David lived by faith. He lived by the obedience to the word of God. Understand the distinction between anticipating in in God's promise and taking things into your own hands. Saul's problem was that he took things into his own hands. Now, just think about what you guys have gone through in, in your three circles. If you'll read, Saul, Saul broken. He tries to kill his own son. He tries to kill God's next appointed king. Um, he does all these things. When he's confronted with the fact that David actually is living right, you'll see that Saul, if you read it, you'll see he repented, even crying and weeping. But Saul never got back to his purpose. You're king, and you're to be obedient to God. You're to be obedient to God. That's why God anointed you and put you there. And yet David is able to say, look, I know what happened in chapters 9, 10, and 11. Saul was anointed, and God vindicated that anointment. Circumstances are not the best criteria for determining whether we should obey God's word or not. Have you heard this statement, perception is reality? That's how our world lives today. I'm here to tell you, your perception is probably a deception. Especially if it contradicts the word of God. (laughs) King Saul is laying there, sleeping. Saul, or David, and Abishai, his nephew, are standing there looking over him. Abishai says, seems to me it's God's will, Uncle David. David said, no it isn't, because we got principles in the word of God that we must live by. Saul always took it upon himself to help God. got him in trouble. Circumstances are not the best criteria for determining whether we should obey God's word. As we look at what the story teaches us, the next thing I want us to know that obedience allows for proper understanding. Saul never got it. He just never got it. Why would his son, why would his son pledge allegiance to David? David, the answer is simple. God anointed David king, didn't he? Now, who was next in line to be king after Saul? Jonathan, his son. And yet, Jonathan, in his wisdom, said, David, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll align myself with you. Just do me one thing. Don't kill my children. David says, no problem. We're friends. I know you're good. Obedience allows for proper understanding. See, authority is given by God, the position is given by God, but here's what Saul didn't understand that David did. That timing of position of authority belonged to God. Obedience allows God to work in us a proper motivation. Jonathan went to the city and David went to the wilderness. What did David learn in the wilderness? Obedience is preeminent. Now think for me just a moment. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Now watch this. Long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. When, when David is standing over Saul, and <laughs> his nephew has a spear, do you not see the fruit of the Spirit rush to the surface of David's decision? I will wait on the Lord. Well, Saul was appointed by God. I honestly believe with all my heart David loved Saul. He didn't want to kill him. He didn't want to see bad happen. Obedience allows God to work in us a proper motivation and understanding. Obedience exposes the heart as to whether we live by faith or not. David said, my hand shall not be raised against you. Disobedience exposes the heart for its lack of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, David, in his rebuke of Saul, said, Wickedness proceeds from the wicked. Saul, what you're doing is not right. I think we must each ask ourselves are we living, and to use what you guys have been talking about, are we living within God's design? David was in with God within God's design. You are anointed, but you've got to wait. I want to teach you some things you need to know as king. Saul let his passions rule his life. He tried to kill his own son, he pursued an innocent man against God's direction and will. Psalm 54, we're not going to look at it, but I think it would be good for you to read it. Psalm 54 is the psalm that David wrote while he was in this situation. Saul was pursuing him, trying to kill him, and he was letting God do what God wanted to do. But in the psalm 54, you find some very important things. Correction comes by God's truth. I don't know if you write stuff down, I don't know if you've got a photographic memory. But listen to that statement. Correction comes by God's truth. Not mine. Not by my wife, Lisa. It comes by God. Not you. Not Pastor Robert. It comes from God. But he also makes this statement. Vengeance comes by God's strength. Saul wasn't going to get away with it. David knew that. And what he tells his nephew is, who knows that he will? when he will die, he may go to battle and God may strike him down, but his day of death is coming. And the last idea I want to give us is this. We learn from David obedience. But there are some fascinating things in the New Testament about our Lord and Savior. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Now, how can the Creator God, the Almighty God, learn obedience? It is so important to God the Father that his son learned to obey him. There's no doubt in my mind Jesus would, but he went through the process of being obedient and he learned what it was like to be a human being. Now see, here's the thing. (laughs) I find obedience a hard thing. See, what you got to do to me to get my nostrils flared, say, hey, you know what you need to do? don't do that to me. You can ask me, but don't. Look, even if you're my boss, right? I'm like, oh, I'm a grown man. Don't you be coming up in here and saying, he's my boss though. Now, (laughs) if you're a boss, you understand that's probably not the best way to do people. But you know what you learn by being obedient? Jesus learned this thing about obedience. David represents him in the wilderness, in this world. In this world of, it's tough. Jesus learned obedience. David teaches us that obedience is the best way. Obedience is the right way. Scripture tells us in the Old Testament that faith is how just people live. Faith, to me, is just simply one thing. believing in what God said he would do and live in that way. My faith and trust for my eternal salvation is in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he said, I'm taking my sins with you. If he goes back on that promise, I have no hope. But I will live every moment of my life believing he will not go back on that promise. David was anointed king as a young teenage boy. It was quite a while before he got to the point of being king. But he said, I'm going to let God work his process in my life. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm going to live as if Jesus Christ is my Savior and try the best I can to be obedient to His Word. David represents obedience in these two stories in a very beautiful way. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I would invite you to do that. See Pastor Robert, see Pastor Jay, talk to me. But I'm going to tell you, if you're a believer, the best way to live your life is in faith what Jesus said he would do he's going to do